Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Leading up until 6 o'clock is the morning roast. We'll take you until 10. I got a lot to get in this hour today. Coming up later on in the program, want to talk a little bit of Raiders football after they made a cut yesterday to their roster, uh, which gave me some thoughts uh, just overall on the team. So I will get into that later on in the show. Uh, For the 49ers, Looking at their schedule, I'm going to go through my top five opposing QBs that I'm looking forward to them playing this season. Uh, Out of the majority of guys, out of the 17 games that we got going on this year, I decided to choose my top five quarterbacks because it turns out that they are facing an interesting list of guys uh, going into this season. So we will get to that as well. Uh, Do want to talk about some baseball, though, because the Giants, they got the win 12-3 to over the Rockies, and... They just got started. I mean, it just—it didn't feel like the Rockies even had a chance as soon as the Giants got going. Because as soon as the Giants got going, it was right in the top of the first. They let off the game with three straight doubles from Brandon Belt, then Buster Posey, uh, and Tommy Lastella was involved there as well. It's the first time that they've let off a game, Tommy Lastella being the leadoff hitter. It's the first time they've let off a game with three straight doubles in the San Francisco era. So that's already a first. They were up 2 nothing early on in the game. Brandon Crawford knocks another run in, makes it 3 to nothing, And from there... The fact that Logan Webb was pitching, it looked like that the Rockies had zero chance as the Giants now move on to 89-50 and on the season. I can't believe they are that much closer to just getting to be a 90-win team. A 90-win team still didn't expect it. Now they do have the one-game streak, or excuse me, the one-game lead over the Dodgers for the National League West. So as of right now, they're still keeping that lead, but that win last night was just so dominant. And I want to start off with the lineup before I get to Logan Webb and what he did yesterday. But the lineup needed these past two games. 
the lineup needed Coors Field. I did not expect that at the end of this streak, at the end of this streak of games where they didn't even have a day off. You know, they're traveling, go they're going from they're going home from Oracle Park, they're going to uh you know, they're going over to 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 Coors Field from there and you know, it's been a long grueling season and these past few games here right before this series with the Rockies as they were at home uh, against the Dodgers as well as the Brewers and you know they had that series with the Braves they had that series with the Mets hadn't had a day off since the 24th they were already starting to look sluggish against the Brewers especially uh, by the time that fourth game came around by the time that they had gotten to September 2nd, and that was the last game that they were playing the Brewers, and they finally got the win, that's at a point where I was thinking, you know, this team, they just look tired. They look fatigued. Their lineup isn't able to do anything. And I remember sitting there after that Brewers series saying, well, you got these three coming up against the Dodgers, and then you got these three over at Coors Field against the Rockies where they have one of the best home records in baseball. They have the second best home record in baseball, the Rockies, that is. And that's what they do. They win at Coors Field. But instead, the Giants just kept on hitting the baseball yesterday, totaling 15 hits. And the guy for me that stood out here is... Steven Duggar. Steven Duggar yesterday, overall 3-for-5 with three RBIs, and he had two triples. He's the first Giant to have two triples in a single game since Steven Vogt in 2019. But the thing with Steven Duggar for me is, he was that everyday center fielder that they had, and Steven Duggar was always their best defensive outfielder. He was quick. And if you look at all the little analytics and you look through the stat cast numbers, you'll find that his quote-unquote jump from a fly ball, it's just as good as anyone else in the league. That's what the numbers were saying. His get-off on getting to the, uh, on getting to the, the ball wherever it's at, wherever it's hit. And I always felt like there was a lot of value for Steven Duggar on this team. A lot of value. You know, he was always hovering around... Uh, that being that 300 hitter, you know, he started to go down a little bit. He started to phase out of that 300 hitting and, and went down to uh, just below 270. And at that point, you traded for Chris Bryant. Didn't seem like there was really much room on this roster for another outfielder. And they ended up optioning him uh, down to AAA. And, you know, from there, I was pretty surprised. Because I thought Steven Duggar was having a nice season. I know that's primarily who he's been, really, since being with San Francisco since 2018, is a guy who's just getting called up, getting back, going, going back down, getting called up, going back down. But this is by far the best season that he'd had uh, with the Giants. And in these past few games, I mean, he's just done, done nothing but show out. And ever since he got back on September 5th, that first game against the Dodgers, he was 1-for-4. He was 2-for-5 uh, in yesterday's game against Colorado, or two games ago against Colorado. Then he was 3-for-5 yesterday. He has been showing out so far, and I think that when... Austin Slater is on the IL uh, with the concussion, and Alex Dickerson is uh, working his way back. I think with Mauricio Dubon, who's currently on the team as well, Steven Duggar 
has started to earn himself a role because with just the versatility that he has, the defense that he could play with, plus he's a left-handed bat that that can give you some power at times, and if he's on base, he's a threat to steal. How many of those guys do you have on this Giants team right now that are a threat on base when a runner's in the stretch? How many of those guys? Not many. I, I can't really think of any of them. Besides Steven Duggar, he's the quickest player on the team. Like That man is a threat to do something on the base pass. I think that that's a very valuable piece to have if you're starting to make roster cuts and possibly sending some guys down. Who knows? Maybe even making some September call-ups with position players. But I think Steven Duggar's done a very nice job so far of trying to earn himself that spot. And Gabe Kapler spoke after the game about Steven Duggar and where his place is right now in the lineup. With Alex Dickerson down, it's it's kind of a nice little backfill for us. You know, when we want a, a left-handed bat in, in the outfield, it improves our defense, obviously. We stuck him out there in, in left field because it's such a big outfield, and Dubon is more comfortable in center field, but obviously he can roam around center quite comfortably and, and be successful in doing so. So really feel good about Doug in the outfield for us. And at, as I mentioned, when he's making offensive contributions, it's really hard to to not have him in the lineup. John Gray is a guy tomorrow that will want our left-handed bats in there, and you'll see you'll see Steven back in there. And by the time Alex Dickerson and Austin Slater come back, they're going to have some decisions that have to be made because Mike Yastrzemski, I mean, I don't know if this is the start of something good. He hasn't been that great this season. He's been hovering around a two thirty batting average, and right now, He's at a 223 average with 22 home runs and 55 RBIs. So he's been able to give you some of that power, but he hasn't been hitting as consistently as you'd want Mike Yastrzemski to do it. Well, in yesterday's game, not only did he get that home run, the only home run of the day, by the way, out of all those extra base hits, which is crazy, but he went two for four with three RBIs and a walk yesterday. I thought he looked good. Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford, again, going three for five. Yesterday, it was something interesting. I was just looking I was looking this up randomly, and um, there was a stat that Buster Olney from ESPN tried to create earlier on in the season. Uh, he tried to create a stat for Juan Soto called the Crush Quotient, where he took the total amount of bases and divided it by the amount of swings that were taken And you get that number, and it just goes to show you that not only are these swings that they're taking, the smart swings, but also there's a lot of value in those swings that they decide to choose to hit. And I was trying to look that up for the entire team. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find the total swings. Couldn't find that stat anywhere for the entire team, at least. You know, I I could find them for individual players, but that would have taken like six hours of work. So I was looking up for Brandon Crawford, though, and... The total bases for him, as far as shortstops go in the National League, he's fourth in the National League among shortstops in total bases. Total bases meaning how many you get based on hits. So whether it's a, if you get a single, you get one total base. If it's a double, you get two, triple, three, a home run, you get four. You get the picture. But Brandon Crawford's isn't necessarily up there, and... I think that that's just because he's been having games like this for a majority of the season where he'll go three for five with an RBI, but he'll just be getting on base. 
And, and that, that's just so important for guys on this team because not only do you have a lot of these home run hitters, guys who can just easily hit it out of the park, but you need guys who are just able to get on base with a simple single or a simple double. And that's what Brandon Crawford's been doing a majority of the season. Same with Buster Posey as well. Buster Posey going one for five. It really, the only the only guy who didn't get a hit yesterday, uh, technically, was Evan Longoria, although he got on base with a couple of walks. But everyone else besides that... They all ended up getting a hit or at least getting on base. It was just an offensive explosion yesterday. And going back to that, uh, going back to that earlier thing with the schedule and the fact that it was, you know, a bunch of games in a row, they weren't getting any days off. It, it seems like the bats have woken up all of a sudden in this last series before they head to Chicago to face the Cubs after getting a much-needed day off, and then you're getting the four games against the Padres and the three games against the Braves. So you're going to have ten games in a row, but it looks like that offense, even though they may have looked tired, they may have looked fatigued, doesn't look like they're slowing down right now. Now, granted, they're going against John Gray today over at Coors Field, and it's going to be uh, an afternoon game. And John Gray, he's a pretty damn good pitcher, and uh, he's a good righty uh, guy to have out there. And uh, I'd be very interested to see how the Giants do it. I mean, right now, he's got an over-4 ERA, but he's a good pitcher at home. So very interested to see what they're going to do against John Gray today to see if they can continue it before getting the day off and heading to Chicago. But that offense yesterday was the story. However, Logan Webb, we'll talk about him on the other side. Logan Webb's start, he was... Breaking all kinds of records yesterday. His name was being put up in a ton of graphics. We'll try to put that into some context uh, context in the next segment after he had a fantastic start yes, uh, last night against the Rockies. We'll get to that next. Logan Webb talk. We'll get some football later on in the show, but Logan Webb... 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Has Logan Webb officially solidified himself as the ace of this staff for you? Or has he been the ace? And this is just what Logan Webb does. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. 95.7 The Game. Leading you up to the morning roast. Starting at 6 o'clock. However, between 7 and 8 a.m., listen to the morning roast all day this week. All week, every day, listen to the morning roast weekdays between 7 and 8 a.m. And be the third caller for the chance to win a four-pack of two-day, one-park-per-day tickets to the Disneyland Resort. The spell is cast. Halloween time is back at the Disneyland Resort. And 95.7 of the game wants to give you a chance to get in on the magic. Happy Hauntings are returning to both Disney California Adventure Park and Disneyland Park between now through October 31st. Don't miss the celebration, offering subject capacity restrictions and change without notice. Get all the details at 957thegame.com. 
dot com. So again, between seven and eight, eight seven eight eight seven and eight a.m. Your chance to win a four pack of two day one park per day tickets to the Disneyland Resort. That's a great deal. So again, between seven and eight o'clock all week, all week between seven and eight o'clock. So the Giants in last night's game, it was. You know, the lineup that was starting to do something, the 15 hits that they got, all the runs that they scored with the 12-3 win over the Colorado Rockies. And we spent a majority of the first segment talking about the lineup, what it's going to look like, Steven Duggar with his two triples. And by the way, Steven Duggar, actually, before we get to Logan Webb and what he did yesterday... Steven Steven Duggar hit those two triples in the game. It was the first time it had been done since June 15th in 2019 when Steven Vogt hit two triples in the same game. So I decided just to look back at that box score from that day. At the time, the Gi- this is back in 2019 in June 15th. The Giants were 30 and 38 so far on the season. Now they won that game over the Brewers, the Brewers who were 39 and 31, so completely different, but the Giants won this game at home 8 to 7 and Steven Vogt was batting 5th. He went 3 for 4 overall on that day. Pablo Sandoval was batting 4th. Kevin Pillar was batting 6th. Brandon Crawford was batting 7th and he had a 2.12 batting average at the time. 212 for Brandon Crawford. Then Steven Duggar was following him, and Madison Bumgarner ended up having that start that day. Wow. Wow, just looking back at these names. Tony Watson, he was he was on the team in 2019, was gone after that, then was back on the team this season. Will Smith was still there. Trevor Gott ended up getting a chance to pitch. Wow. Them getting the 8-7 win. Joe Panic was leading off. Wow, how times have changed since 2019. And one guy who's just made that huge leap this year, and it's nothing short of impressive with what he's doing, but it's Logan Webb. Yesterday, another fantastic start as he went seven strong. He did give up the three earned runs, but look, this guy has just been on an absolute tear, and he was on a streak and created the longest streak 14 games in a row where he gave up two earned runs or less. 14 games in a row. Atop the leaderboard with that one, Logan Webb in Giants history. And Logan Webb talked about that and just said, look, I wasn't even paying attention to these streaks that were going on. Honestly, I didn't know about it until a couple games ago. I mean, it's it's really cool to be on that list. I'm going to be real honest with you here. I, I honestly could... It's like I said. It's awesome. I'm happy, but I'm more happy that we won the game. Um, I think that's that's the main focus for for every game, and that it was the same today. I, I can honestly say I wasn't thinking about it at all. You know, someone said it when I got in the dugout. I guess it, I wasn't trying to think about that. Or you know, we were up eleven to one or eleven to three. And honestly, I just want to get out of inning without giving any up, any giving up any more runs, just because. You know, it's, uh, it's a, this is a different place here. It runs, runs around uh, crazy. So, so you hear that, and he's just he just sounds super humble. hasn't really been thinking about it, and I think that you know if you're a I mean if you're a if you're a pitcher and you're doing something like that, you probably don't want to think about it uh, as you're on the mound, but. Luckily, he was able to get out of it, too. I give Gabe Kapler a lot of credit for letting him finish that game. The Giants were up 
so big at that point. Mike Yastrzemski had just hit his home run to make it 11-1. to So you had that cushion. And even though the Rockies scored a couple of more runs uh, in that inning to make it 11-3, to Gabe Kapler kept him in, and then he got the next two outs. Tapia with that first pitch fly out right away, and then Brandon Ro- Brendan Rogers popping out the next uh, the next pitch. But um, look, I thought that Logan Webb yesterday, and not only that, but just ever since he's really come back from the injured list, he's just looked so confident. And, and listen to this. Since May 11th, and this is the graphic that they posted on NBC Sports Bay Area yesterday during the game. Since May 11th, here's his ERA, Logan Webb, 1.46. 1.46 since May 11th. That's the best in the league. Walker Bueller since May 11th, 2.10. Max Scherzer, 2.26. Freddie Peralta of the Brewers, 2.46. And Robbie Ray, 2.49. So 1.46 compared to a 2.10, the next up being Walker Bueller, the lowest ERA since May 11th. That's crazy. That's just, that's what you need. Okay, because Kevin Gosman was that starting pitcher. He was that ace at the beginning of the season, the first half of the year before everything happened over with Coors Field during the All-Star break and really didn't look the same since the second half of the season. And I understand there's some outside factors contributing to that. But um, Logan Webb, though, has the fact that he's up there with Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer at this point in the season since May 11th, knowing how good those two guys are going to be pitching, that's going to be the key going into these playoffs is how your starters do. What the 1-2-3 is going to look like. Kevin Gosman has continued to look more and more comfortable as each start has gone along, although he hasn't looked like his total dominant self that he looked like in the first half of the season. We'll see what Di Sclafani does uh, going forward because he just had his biggest start of the year last Friday against the Dodgers when he held them to just a run or to no earned runs. Excuse me, the relievers are the ones who were giving up the runs. The bullpen was, but once they get that one, two, three, if they manage to pick things up toward the end of September, I'm personally going to be feeling a lot better going into October, knowing I have those guys. But. Let's hear from Gabe Kapler. Here's what he had to say regarding Webb's outing yesterday. In many ways, Webb's start today was was better than any of those. I think through 19 balls today. I think that stood out on the bench to us. It's it's kind of exactly what you have to do pitching in this ballpark because guys are going to get hits off you. Outfielders play so deep. The ball moves so fast on the ground. You see the ball so well, and when you elevate it, good things tend to happen. So it's really hard to get through games like these without hits and, and oftentimes even without runs. But you give yourself the best chance to succeed give yourself the best chance to be efficient and to protect your bullpen by just coming in and, and challenging hitters with, with all of your pitches. And I mean, it's sort of what we asked for uh, for Logan to do from spring training. And every step of the way, he's gotten better and, and better at that and, and more and more confident out there on the mound. From the 408, Logan Webb, Cy Young candidate. Whew. He, he's got to be up there right now. I don't think he, you know, I mean, there's plenty that he has to get through because that name that I mentioned there, that's second uh, in ERA since May 11th to Logan Webb. Uh, Walker Bueller, he's right up there. 
Um, I think that Corbin Burns has a pretty good chance to win it as well, and those guys have just been so dominant since the beginning of the season. So, you know, not to say that he's not a Cy Young candidate. I do think he's a candidate, but I also uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be winning that award. It'd be really tough to do considering, you know, the first, you know, f- first couple of months of the season with just how dominant those other guys were. Uh, but Dave Fleming, Dave Fleming was on the morning roast yesterday, and he said something about Logan Webb that I found very interesting when he mentioned it, because this is what you're going to need going into the playoffs. There was big pressure Thursday afternoon for Logan, and with the Giants struggling to swing the bats, he knew that not only did he need to pitch well, he needed to pitch really well, and that's what I loved about it was Logan stood in there, never wavered, looked like I want to be the guy. Not everybody wants to be the guy. Not everybody wants to be the number one. Everybody wants to be a big leaguer. Everybody wants the major league paycheck and the first-class travel and the notoriety and all that stuff. Not everybody wants to get the ball in the big spot. Not everybody's equipped to handle it. Logan Webb wants to be that guy. And Thursday showed that to me more than any other moment of his career, I thought. So if you have that guy going into the playoffs who wants to be the ace, the number one guy, with how confident that he's pitching, man, I'm feeling good. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen at, toward the end of here, toward the end here at September. For all we know, this entire season could hinge upon these last three games of the year when the Dodgers are facing the Brewers and the Giants are facing the Diamondbacks, as the Giants currently have a one game one game lead up on the Dodgers. But if the Giants do end up in second and they go into the wild card game into a one game elimination spot and they're facing whoever they have to face, whether it's the Padres, the uh, Reds, the Phillies, whoever it is. I think that the Giants with Logan Webb have a pretty good... Like, I'm feeling a lot better about being in that wild card game, seeing how confident that Logan Webb is up on the mound right now. there It just doesn't seem like there's anything that he could do wrong. He can do no wrong right now. Logan Webb looked so good yesterday, and to do that at Coors Field, a place where balls just fly out of that ballpark... And it seems like the bats always come alive whenever they're at Coors Field. And if you're a betting person, you always want to bet the over on that. Anytime someone's at Coors Field, if you're betting the over every single game, 162, you're probably going to win way more than 70% of those bets is my guess. But the way that he pitched yesterday at Coors Field, I mean, he's just been nonstop dominant. And it's been fantastic to witness. A lot of fun uh, for Logan Webb. But speaking of Logan Webb... He is a Raider fan. If you follow Logan Webb on social media, you'll know that he is a Raider fan. And that's who I want to talk about next is the Raiders because they made a move yesterday, which has me questioning a lot of things about that team. But if you're a 49er fan, don't don't fret. Because after that, do want to go through my top five quarterbacks that the 49ers are going to face this year out of their 17-game season because there are a lot of interesting candidates here uh, to look at for the regular season. So we'll get into all that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. (laughs) 
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. 95.7 The Game leading up to the morning roast. Starts at 6 o'clock, but... You should listen to the Morning Roast weekdays between 7 and 8 a.m. and be the third caller for the chance to win a four-pack of two-day, one-park-per-day tickets to the Disneyland Resort. The spell is cast. Halloween time is back at the Disneyland Resort, and 95.7 The Game wants to give you a chance to get in on the magic. Happy Hauntings are returning to both Disney California Adventure Park and Disneyland Park between now through October 31st. Don't miss the celebration. Offering subject to capacity, restrictions, and change without notice. Get all the details at 957thegame.com. So again, between 7 and 8 a.m., you could be the third caller and have a chance to win a four-pack of two-day, one-park-per-day tickets to the Disneyland Resort. And I love Halloween at Disneyland, to be honest. I love the I love the holiday themes that they got going on. They got Halloween, and then they got you know Christmas and all those different things. And I love it. Love Disneyland at any time. So again, between seven and eight a.m., 8 a.m. your chance to win the four pack of tickets. Before we get to uh, the Raiders, because to me there's something fishy going on uh, within within the Las Vegas Raiders organization. And I'll get to my top five opposing quarterbacks that the 49ers are going to face this season, the ones that I'm looking forward to watching the most because the list is not something that I think you'd expect. But hey, this is my top five list. If you want to give your top five, feel free at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. Feel free. We'll get into that a little later on in the show. But real quick, before I get to any of the football talk, this was something that I didn't play yesterday. But over the weekend, we had UFC fight night. And I saw this dude, right? They were He, he was all over social media. UFC was constantly posting about him. His name was Patty Pimblett. And he was from Liverpool, had this super thick, strong accent, and he was set to make his UFC debut on Saturday. And I'd, I'd seen his personality, and I'm thinking, oh, this guy, if he wins, if he shows out at UFC, he could be something. And he had his debut on Saturday. He ended up knocking the guy out toward the end of the first round. So, um, he, you know, he, he almost actually got knocked out himself because he wasn't tucking his chin in and, and, and covering himself up at all. He didn't seem like he was trying to play defense one little bit. But this guy's name is Patty the Batty Pimblet, and I just got to play this sound for you because they're calling this guy the next Conor McGregor, and I don't know if it's due to possible success in the future, but you'll hear why. Listen to this dude, Patty the Patty, Patty the Batty Pimblet, after his fight when he knocked the guy out in the first round. Hey, listen, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and you finish in style. You know what I'm saying, lad? I'm a scouser. We don't get knocked out. Hey, I take that all day. Well, listen, take a look at the screen. Walk us through your handiwork because it was blooming good. Let's see this, lad. That Chris Williams boxing mate. That L Bang Hampson and Adam Venti pad work. That's what that is, lad. Boom, right hand. And again, you ready? You ready? Sleep, kid. <laughs> <laughs> that glove work. 
Man, I hadn't heard that thick of an accent before. Not from Liverpool, at least. Man, <laughs> I heard that, and I had to play that sound because I got one more part. But listen to just how thick this dude's Liverpool accent is. This is Patty the Batty Pimblet, who made his UFC debut on Saturday and ended up getting a knockout in the first round. I believe so. I believe so. I, I'm high on the 49. And I am sorry for that. That is the wrong clip, and I don't know why it's labeled the wrong way, but it turns out that's the only one I have, and we are making mistakes all over the place today on the uh, on the pregame show. There's no easy way to transition here. There's something fishy going on with that sound, and you know what? There's something fishy going on within the Raiders organization, and that's what I want to talk about right now because Tanner Muse, who was a third-round pick, out of Clemson, um, a lot was expected of him. When he was drafted by the Raiders, especially with a guy like Mike Mayock, who's come in at the, as the GM, as the draft expert, they thought, oh, you got Tanner Muse at the end of the third round. They had three third-round picks last season. They felt like they got a good uh, they got a good deal with Tanner Muse. And, and they got their linebacker out of Clemson. Like, what more do the Raiders want than getting a pick who's either from Clemson or Alabama? So they got Tanner Muse, and he was hurt a lot of, uh, he was hurt all of last season. Didn't get a chance to play. And this season, you know, the stuff that I've been seeing, uh, you know, reading out of training camp, Tanner Muse is still working his way back. Um, you know, still a lot of upside with him. We're waiting on Tanner Muse, but it was announced that the Raiders had cut him. And yesterday he signed with the practice squad with the Seahawks. But it's very rare for a team just to straight up cut their third round pick. Not saying it doesn't ever happen, because this stuff does happen, but their third round pick. A guy where the linebacker core right now for the Raiders, I don't know how much depth there is really with it. I guess they, they their new guy, Divine Diablo, he's looking pretty good. He's a he's a third-round pick. He could switch between linebacker and defensive back. De- Divine Diablo can be uh, you know a, 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 a Swiss Army knife type of player. But the fact that Tanner Muse was released yesterday, man... With the way that everything's working over in Las Vegas, I don't know how the season's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go, but I will assume that, you know, based off of an 8-8 eight and eight year when a little more was expected, and now with the way that their defense has been built up, I don't think a 9-8 and eight year is going to be acceptable for them. They need to be getting into that 10-win range if... John Gruden wants to find any sort of, uh, if he wants to consider this team this season, any sort of any sort of a success, right? But with that release and just everything that's been going on, you know, I, I'm not going to act like I'm some sort of investigative journalist, but there's something fishy that's going on over there in Las Vegas. There really is. Just with everything that happened in the offseason, it seems like we've completely forgotten that, you know, Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, those guys are gone. What happened with Trent Brown didn't work out. That was just a whole, you know, him not being able to stay on the field. But one thing that's been pretty certain for me, really ever since Gruden came along, was... Man, I don't know how much these guys buy into what John Gruden is trying to sell. You know, Arden Key, for example, coming over to the 49ers, you saw the way that he talked about the Raiders. He totally bashed them. 
you know, said they didn't give him a chance to uh, didn't give him a chance to be the best type of player that he can be. But with these other guys and the way that it's panned out so far, if these draft picks don't work out, whether it's you know Henry Ruggs who's looking to try and bounce back from what was a relatively disappointing rookie season compared to a lot of the other wide receivers out there, especially since he was the first wide receiver taken in the 2020 draft. Damon Arnett, he's trying to come back as well, but you know he's out there as a backup. He's not even winning the starting job yet, and he's a first-round pick from 2020. Lynn Bowden Jr., this dude was expected to be some sort of, again, Swiss Army knife out of Kentucky, but then they ended up trading him <laughs> to Miami. It's like, so I, I don't know the point of that. Brian Edwards, a third-round pick. There's something expected for him this season. There's a, I mean, with the way that, you know, with the way that Gruden's talking about him, you'd think that he's going to be the next Terrell Owens. Um, and then these other guys that he chose in 2020, John Simpson and Amick Robertson, both guys may be expected to take on more of a role uh, than they thought coming up here in 2021. But ever since 2019. Cleveland Furl, who was the first pick that Mike Mayock ever had, that first pick, the fourth overall pick of that 2019 draft, left a lot of people scratching their heads. Josh, Josh Jacobs, we know what we have there. But then there's Jonathan Abram, who there continues to be question marks around. Trayvon Mullen and Max Crosby uh, were some good picks. Foster Moreau and Hunter Renfro later on in that draft. But those guys were in the fourth and the fifth round. When you take and you isolate just the first through third round picks, uh, they haven't really played up to what the expectation was for them. And I just think with that release yesterday and everything that's been going on, if they don't reach at least 10 wins this season and... You know, people are starting to feel like they're on the losing side of things. Maybe they're on their way to being a seven or eight win team this season. I do think that someone is going to do some digging here and find that there's something weird going on. You know what I mean? Something just odd. It doesn't feel right. The fact that Tanner Muse was picked in 2020, you'd expect. You know, the the GM who picked that guy as the third pick of the third round, you'd expect the GM to want to keep that guy around. But we all know that John Gruden is the one who's making these decisions. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone did some sort of journalism piece where they went to that organization and found that there's a disconnect between John Gruden and Mike Mayock. But also, I feel like with John Gruden's argument, he'd just say, well, you picked these guys, you convinced me that these were the guys to go with, and they're just not performing. But on the other side, I feel like Mike Mayock could be saying, none of these guys are buying into your system, John. They're not buying what you're you're, you're trying to sell. Now, granted, don't get me wrong, John Gruden, great play caller. Right, We've seen him dissect defenses and the way that he's worked with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has grown into a better quarterback, and this is actually a huge season for Derek Carr. But you know, the fact that John Gruden, is it was reported that he says he doesn't feel any pressure, even though he's going into his fourth year, doesn't feel any of that. All of these offseason moves that are happening, when we all know that he's the one that's making these decisions— if these guys don't at least have a winning record this year, if they're not at least nine and eight, you got to think that something's got to give with that situation over there. 
I just don't know what's going on. I, I, I really don't. From the 925, we're making the playoffs, nice guy. Don't get it twisted. Okay. From the 57510, what a surprise. The only time you guys give the Raiders airtime is, is to criticize them. SMH. Well, if you want, you can tune into my Raiders podcast, Black Hole Sundays, where I'll, giving you be, where I'll be giving you a game-by-game breakdown, so don't worry about that. But from the 925, the mistake wasn't releasing him. The mistake was taking him in the third round. That dude is a sixth-round pick. Man. I'm telling you, there's something strange going on over there. Something weird. I don't know what it is. If there's, if John Gruden and Mike Mayock just aren't seeing eye to eye on these picks, if they're not seeing eye to eye with how John Gruden is running the team, it, <laughs> I mean, do you remember that hard knocks that came out and just the way everything was run? The fact that Nelson Aguilar last year went into the locker room and burst out into a yelling frenzy just talking about how much the team sucks and then John Gruden out there saying he loves Nelson Aguilar and saying that there's some people that aren't there participating Monday through Friday, aren't keeping their phones open, as dedicated to the team as Gruden wants. Man, with that release, I do think there's something weird going on there. From the 510, and, and, and this is, I, I get this, this is what Raider fans do. Tanner Muse had his chance in the preseason. Second Arden Key is trash. Look what he did on the 49ers, nothing. And the offensive line was making major blank last year and only had eight wins. You get younger and use money on defense. Funny part is, Raiders will have the better record than the 49ers. That's a fact. I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't really agree with that right now. And from the 831. KJ over Muse, bro. Muse was picked for Gunther, not Bradley. It, <laughs> dude, that's the problem, though, with, with, with Paul Gunther. At the time, I mean, did you hear Will Compton talking about him? He said that Paul Gunther was changing up the communication every other week. It, it, you know, and, and it's, it's weird. It's it's weird. From the 510, Gruden is a crackpot and a control freak. If you're a crackpot like him and you tell your players you believe in them and to believe in themselves, it works great. If you're micromanaging coach and sarcastic and quirky, it's hard to get the team to believe in you. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know how they view Gruden. I just don't. You know, I know Derek Carr likes him. Um, I don't know how Josh Jacobs feels because Josh Jacobs is Jacobs is a uh, relatively quiet guy. He's not gonna, you know, go out talking all that much. The only the most thing the most that he's ever done really, as far as uh, controversial statements, was putting out that Instagram story last year saying that he wasn't going to start, and then he ended up starting last second. You remember that last year, by the way, with fantasy? <laughs> Do you remember that? If you had Josh Jacobs, you thought, oh, he's not going. Based on what he said on his Instagram story, and then what do you know? He's starting the game, and everyone who ended up putting him on his bench was super pissed. <laughs> what a time. What a time. But hey, you know what? With all that being said, with all that being said, winning cures everything. Right? Winning, nothing is, there's no digging that's going to be done. No one's going to try to do any journalistic piece on this Raiders team if they're a winning, if they're a winning club this year. It's not going to, if they're winning, doesn't matter. 
You know, if Alex Leatherwood turns out to be a really good tackle and, you know, there's some good reports that have been coming out of camp in preseason with Leatherwood, Trevon Merrig, who is that safety uh, that they ended up taking, who actually I thought they were going to take with that pick that they took Leatherwood with. I thought actually you could have flipped those two and still gotten Leatherwood, but who knows? Malcolm Kuntz, Divine Diablo, Nate Hobbs looked really good uh, during the preseason. He's a he was the fifth round pick, the corner um, this year. So, you know, I I could be just completely wrong, but if there is a losing type of season, it's just something something fishy. Tsuchi Maine. Something strange. Yep, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this football season, man. I just love the fact uh, that we're even... I just, I just sounded like Gruden there for a second. I just can't wait for this football season, man. I can't wait. That Tanner Muse guy, he didn't like the Muse for me. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. But I do not believe that they are a better suited roster this year to possibly get a better record than the 49ers. And that's where I want to transition to. Just want to get get a little 49ers talk in here because as I was looking at the schedule, and feel free if you want to weigh in at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number, which quarterback are you most interested in watching the 49ers play this year? I got my list of five, but feel, please feel free to weigh in because outside of the Russell Wilsons and the Matt Staffords with the Rams, you actually got some pretty interesting quarterback matchups here, so let's get to it. My top five op- opposing quarterbacks that the 49ers will face this season. Oh, it's list season, baby. You know what that music means? That means football's here. And I got my top five opposing quarterbacks that the 49ers are going to face this season. Number five. We go to week 14 in Cincinnati when they face Joe Burrow. And the reason that I'm really looking forward to this one is, well, because first off, it's in week 14. At that point, you'll know who Joe Burrow is. You know, supposedly hasn't really looked the same since coming off that injury and how much can you expect really from a rookie quarterback. But by the time week 14 comes around, I expect that he'll have uh, maybe made a leap, got in tune with his wide receivers and Joe Burrow, a very good quarterback. I want to see how he performs against the Niners. You don't see them facing the Bengals all that much. And this is a new look Bengals team. And not only that. But you got Zach Taylor there as well, who's a part of that young slew of head coaches who are great play callers, kind of like Kyle Shanahan. So Joe Burrow is number five on my list of opposing quarterbacks, and I'm looking forward to the 49ers facing. Number four, Trevor Lawrence, Week 11 in Jacksonville. Not much more needs to be said. You'll find that you know there is a theme here, a common denominator between these two. And that's the fact that they're in the double-digit weeks of the season. By the time Week 11 comes through, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be looking like that number one overall pick that everyone expects. I think he'll create some sort of connection with uh, 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 with you know DJ Shark, and uh, by the time he's getting back from his uh, surgery, Marvin Jones Jr., who he appears to have a connection with. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be looking pretty good by Week 11, and I want to see how they play against Jacksonville and what he looks like because the only way, in my opinion, that the Jaguars are going to be winning that game is if Trevor Lawrence plays well. So I'm really looking forward uh, to that matchup. And the fact that they got ATN out, that gives James Robinson more of a chance to be that number one uh, running back after having a 
terrific 1,000-plus uh, rushing season, 1,000-plus yard rushing season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, though, Jacksonville, Week 11. Really looking forward to that. Number three. Number three on my list, Justin Fields. Justin Fields, Chicago, Week 8. Yep, I'm putting my stamp on it. I think Justin Fields is going to be the QB1 by that time. And the reason I'm looking forward to that the most is because, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, he was expected to start for Jacksonville right away as that number one overall pick. But the fact that Justin Fields was almost taken by the 49ers, and if he balls out in that game in Week 8, I do think Kyle Shanahan is going to be looking across the sideline there and thinking, you know, and it all depends on how Jimmy Garoppolo plays as well, and I'm not trying to compare Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy Dalton because Garoppolo is a much better quarterback, but I do think he'd be looking across there thinking, you know, I could have that dual threat. And I got a guy in Trey Lance who can possibly even be better than Justin Fields. So I'm looking forward to see if he even starts there in Week 8, and I think he will, and I want to see what he looks like against this 49ers defense. I think Justin Fields would be a very interesting matchup. Number two on my list. We go to Week 1. Jared Goff, the Detroit Lions. The reason being is because of how often they played Jared Goff, and we've seen at certain times in certain games that Goff just looks completely lost. But also, we can go back, I believe it was, man, was it was it Week 17? I think it was Week 17, Week 16, Week 17, where they were playing the Rams late in the season. It was in 2019, and <laughs> I remember this. He was just, as soon as he snapped the ball, he just rolled out to his right, and just hoped that Robert Woods would run himself open once he gave him enough time. So I wonder if Jared Goff is going to try to do that same thing. That offensive line that they have is looking a little better this season. Penny Sewell was their first uh, first round pick out of Oregon. He was supposed to be the best offensive tackle coming out of that draft. Hasn't looked that great this preseason in training camp, so we'll see how they do, but I'm looking forward to see what Jared Goff does, especially with a new team in the Detroit Lions with Man Campbell. And number one, and yes, I said Man Campbell. And number one, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay in week three. And look, I, I don't I, I wonder if this is Aaron Rodgers last season as uh, if if Aaron Rodgers is in his last season in Green Bay, if he wants to put his stamp on the NFC, this game against the 49ers in Week 3, not only is it going to be just the biggest game for the 49ers so far this season after going against the Lions and the Eagles, but then the Packers, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to try and really go all out in that game. Go all out. And I, granted, they they don't have David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, their highest paid uh, tackle in NFL history. They don't have David Bakhtiari, sure. So it's going to be on Aaron Rodgers. I'm really looking forward to that game, for that game, forward to that game in week three uh, against the 49ers. So those are my five. Number five, Joe Burrow. Number four, Trevor Lawrence. Number three, Justin Fields, because I do believe he'll be starting week eight. Number two is Jared Goff. And number one is Aaron Rodgers. Sure, there's Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. We know what they're going to do. They're going to snap the ball, and they're just going to run around and hope that Nick Bosa doesn't sack them. <laughs> you know, And then DK Metcalf is going to be wide open, just looking bigger than everybody else. That's, you know, I've seen that before. I've seen that story before. 
but I really don't know how it's going to go uh, with these guys, although we have seen the story with Aaron Rodgers as well. But that's going to do it for me. The Morning Rose with Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Wachowski is coming up. Going to be a fun Wednesday.